you know, there was a bit of everything today. We needed a bit of everything. Some of our football was good. Uh, we needed to show some resilience, character, and again, a massive physical effort. You know, I said during the week that these players are given everything. Uh, the, the ones who are available, are, you know, we're not stumbling due to a lack of effort, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, against a side that's probably the most informed team in the competition and, uh, you know, two days less resting um, after a really big physical load on, on against Brighton. Um, you know, the, the way these players keep giving maximum effort is a credit to them. The reason that I'm here is because you know, the club is seeking change. He said, well, whether you come or not, you're going to see a completely different first team under me. You know, my hope and my desire and what I'm going to try and do is give our supporters hope and, and belief that we're, um, you know, we're going to embark on something special. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot and Happy New Year. It is episode 158, and I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at a Stedka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot as we usher out 2023. Welcome in 2024. I've got Caroline alongside to discuss a couple of different results, I guess you could say, to, to close out 2023 and uh, also talk about some transfer dealings going on. Caroline, how are you on this final day of 2023? Uh, kind of ready to say goodbye to 2023, to be honest. Um, happy New Year to all of the listeners, of course. But I, I think it's going to be a better year for Spurs, hopefully a better year for all of us as well. But yeah, this was a very dramatic week uh, for the men's team. So lots to talk about. There's no question about it. Uh, before we get into it, I do just want to reiterate what you just said. Happy New Year to all the listeners. I'm sure many of you are listening to this. Um, as we have crossed the threshold into 2024 um, just want to, before we get going and talking about everything Spurs wise, just thank the listeners for uh, all of the support in 2023. It's been a, a great year for the depot. We've, you know, seen list listenership go up and interactions on, on socials go up and um, much of the same uh, looking forward to much of the same in 2024. Caroline, this was a weird week because we had two matches and we didn't do a podcast after Thursday just because there was a, you know, a small gap between Thursday and Sunday and, we just thought we would pack it all in to one pod as we kind of close out the year like we normally do and close out the week. But these both these matches had so much kind of juice to them and so much there's so much meat on the bone here. Um, I do want to start with Brighton from Thursday, a 4-2 defeat away to Brighton, which on the surface looks bad. You give up four goals and, you know, it's another kind of Brighton's a good team. I think we all know that. But this was a weird, weird match. I, I'll give full disclosure. I didn't watch this game live. I was working. I came home from work and I took extensive notes on this game. I, I was was ready to like really watch this game with just a keen eye and, a, and an old school like yellow legal pad writing down notes. Um, and I didn't think I would fill a whole page, but I did. What, but before I get into everything I had to say about this game, which surprisingly is a lot, what, go back a few days for me if you're able and and what do you recall from from this match uh, which we just watched a few days ago obviously with another one kind of more fresh in the memory well to start with i was watching this match with my sister and a couple of my nephews who were visiting and i was so excited for them to get to watch a really good game from spurs since you know we were playing brighton a really capable opponent um and then we kind of just didn't show up for the first half basically <laughs> Uh, but I think they really enjoyed the second half. That's for sure. Everybody in my household was very excited as we tried to mount that comeback. And I think I think got closer than, you know, the scoreline suggests. But it, it definitely was a case of really just needing to get into the game, get a little sharper. I think the subs actually brought a pretty effective spark, um, you know, especially Alejo Valise, who I'm sure we're going to be talking about quite a lot today. Um, I thought he had a really bright performance and, you know, it's, it's always a good thing to see a player get their first goal for Spurs. I really enjoyed that. I just wish he could have, you know, had a chance to celebrate it a little more, but because of the, the game state, that wasn't really a possibility. Um, and same with Ben Davis, you know, he doesn't score a lot of goals, but kind of just had to, to keep moving after those and, and try to complete the comeback, which we ultimately did not. 
Um, but I'm feeling better about this result. I think in hindsight, especially after the game that we had today, you know, it, it feels really just like a bit of a blip and kind of a lot of the, the mitigating circumstances kind of getting to the team in that moment. And it's good that they at least bounced back from the loss. It's it's really strange to have the first player mentioned on a podcast be Alejo Valiz, but but you're right. Like that was kind of notable that he did get his first goal. And the only note I had about Alejo Valiz from this game was that it was really cool, but it's gonna look a little weird when you look back at this the celebration. Like a big moment for him, obviously, such a young player coming on and scoring a goal, but you know, you're you're down four nil at that point. You made it four one. Congrats. Um, and obviously Davies tacked on the the, the goal after that but yeah that was that was a strange one um this game to me like like you said the first half was so disappointing because you give away you know you give up an early goal but then you give away the stupid penalty about 10 minutes later with with Kulisevsky pulling on the shirt um that was his fifth booking which I didn't even realize until today that he was suspended for the Bournemouth match which obviously it worked out they they, they got away with it but yeah, surprise. I thought it was his fourth booking. I had missed his his yellow against West Ham in in my notes. Um, but it, either way, it was it was a bad game from Kulisevsky. That kind of, you know, exemplified what just his 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 match overall for me. Really there was no one from this game that stood out other than maybe Davis and I thought Pierre Mihoibier played pretty well, but that was like an anomaly because we haven't seen Hoybier look great in this system overall this season. Um, it was really strange to me though, because you know, this team was down all, it was only two nil at half and you're thinking, okay, th this, you know, this could be a lot worse. Like I, I feel like Spurs were very much still in the game. I just felt like subs needed to happen earlier. And that was a little disappointing to me. And look, I'm not blaming Ange Postacoglu entirely because look what he has to work with, right? Like, like between suspensions, injuries, we know that this bench has been thin, but um, I had it in my notes that at about the, the 52, 53 minute mark, I felt like even just coming out of the half, it didn't look like whatever the halftime talk was worked. And I felt like changes needed to be made almost immediately. And they weren't. And then we had the Richarlison couldn't stay on side slash Decky's pass was a little late. The goal is ruled out. And moments later, Brighton get their third goal on just a worldie. Um, and from there, it was like, okay, this is done and dusted. It's 3-0. How are we coming back from this? Obviously, it ends 4-2, and it looks a little bit better on paper. But this was a butt-kicking. And it also was just one of those games you just chalk off to, I don't know, these things happen? No big deal? Like, I don't know. I, I, it's the Premier League. All of these teams are competitive. This was a, a road game on a Thursday with another one, eyes to the weekend. You, you kind of almost had to chalk this up as a scheduled loss. I know that's a really defeatist mentality, but that's kind of the way I felt after it. It was just like, okay, brush this one off. You've got to turn around and play again Sunday. Right. It's not one that you could dwell on, certainly. And I think the only disappointment for me is that Brighton were in pretty similar situation in terms of having a lot of injuries. And, you know, I know they've improved their squad depth over the past few years, but I still feel like we should have had the edge regardless. And it was kind of down to underperformance from a few, well, let's face it, most of the players on our team in this game. I think the only reason we were really still in it at halftime is down to Vicario. I think he's another player who deserves a mention. Um, the, the one save he made, I think, was one of his best this season. Um, so it continues to be frustrating to me that he's not getting the clean sheets that he uh, probably rightfully deserves. But, yeah, I think we, we just needed more from the players who were on the pitch because we weren't going to get much from the bench in this game. We had a lot of, you know, academy players. Skip was missing unexpectedly uh, because of a knock. And we, we just didn't have a lot of options. And like I said, the couple of players who did come on later, I think, did make a good impact. And maybe that was just a little bit of fresh legs that were needed or kind of a reminder to the players on the pitch that, you know, your, your place is not guaranteed and you really need to step it up. But yeah, just too little too late. And it's, it's disappointing to drop these points. But at the same time, we're still in a really good position, considering everything going on at the club at the moment with injuries, suspensions, et cetera. I feel like this, this wasn't going to be the most costly loss because Brighton are a good team, you know, regardless of who they're putting out as well. 
So it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, James, and James Milner was ridiculous. Like, and that was one of those things where you see a guy like that at his age doing what I say at his age. I don't even exactly know how old he is. I'll, I'll look it up here as I'm as I'm spouting off at the mouth. But like, okay, he's 37. He is that's pretty old for a for a fo- for a professional footballer in the Premier League. Like, dude is older than I am. Um, so that's 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 saying something. Um, but he was he was ridiculous. Like, Brighton have good players. Like, Brighton are a good team. We know this. Um, I know that, you know, it may not say so in the table. They're currently sitting, but they are currently sitting eighth. Like they've, they've picked it up. Um, so, you know, credit, it's one of those credit to him. The only, the only other thing I'll say from this game, the, the officiating consistency, just where are we? Like Lewis Dunk, come on. That's a red every time. Um, it's the same exact foul that Romero was sent off for against Chelsea. It's the same exact foul we've seen a number of players be sent off for this season. It's It's got to be red and, and, if if we're gonna have VAR, let's use it. I, I know, like, I'm really sick of talking about VAR, and luckily, I don't think there were many officiating discussions we have to have from the Bournemouth match. But from this one, the Lewis Dunk foul is a red, and just let's call that, please. Well, and I, I think Ange said this after the game that words to the effect of "It's incredible how VAR, you know, picks up on our penalties, but not." that incident and to be fair they were definitely penalties like those were some of the most boneheaded defensive errors i've seen in a while from us oh the the Celso thing like i i was baffled at how that wasn't more like he just slides into the back of someone it was moronic yeah for sure right right so there's we can't argue our way out of that but those ended up being decisive to the result you know we could have gotten a point if it weren't for those those errors but I agree with Ange that it's it just feels like it has not been um, very even the officiating when it comes to VAR. Like when it when it you know he says he doesn't like the word intervenes, but there are cases where I think that's what's happening <laughs> is is VAR is intervening or choosing not to actively, um, which is unfortunate. And it, it's getting to the point where I I worry for our players because I feel like we're not getting the protection that we need. And it's not like we can afford more injuries at this point. So just, I don't know. It's, and it's something that's like completely out of our control. That's what always frustrates me about this conversation is we can talk about VAR and the officiating until we're blue in the face and it it will not do anything. So unless there's some, some rule changes, which I don't see happening, they they seem to only add on things like the, the, you know, punishing the, the descent because the referees don't like it. <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I understand that, but I think there are more pressing issues that, that need to be addressed. I think what you just said there too is the is the most frustrating part is that we can, you know, and I don't just mean we as a podcast or as, you know, just fans of the of the game. We as the the, the royal we can bitch and moan and like really like raise a stink about officiating that's not going to change it. Nothing's going to change until, like you said, there are rules implemented by the powers that be we're, we're all helpless. And that's why it's so frustrating to come on here every week or every other week and complain about something that so affects the rest of the league, the table, your own team, team's health, all of those things. Like, you know, a a player getting hurt puts an impact on two and three other players that have to cover for him on every team, not just ours. So it's, it all um it's a it's a i hate i hate using this term but it's like a war of attrition right now in this game especially at spurs where it's like injuries and suspensions and look some of them like we've talked about rightly deserved both the penalties rightly deserved the romero tackle against chelsea yes it's a red but so was this one so where is the consistency that's the frustrating part to me um but you know like i said <laughs> there's no, there's nothing bitching and moaning does on a podcast does to change that we just kind of have to wait around and uh, wait for the powers that be to like wake up and figure something out. So that's the frustrating part. Um, as we talk about injuries and everything, there is, as we kind of slowly transition our way to the Bournemouth match, unless there was anything else you had on Brighton. I, I Like I said, after that match, I was like, let's put that one out of mind. Okay, you're good on Brighton. Let's talk about Bournemouth because this morning I woke up to Dakota in our group chat kind of like freaking out um and dakota i know dakota is on the east coast he he, you know 
you're in central time zone. I'm in Arizona, which is its own thing. You know, Scott, Todd, they're West coasters. We're, we're like, this was a 7 a.m. for me, 8 a.m. for you, I think, kickoff. And Dakota's up early and hitting our group chat with all of these freaking out messages about Rodrigo Bentoncourt being back. And I woke up and before I had even like started to pour a coffee or brush my teeth or anything, I was looking at these messages, wondering if I had missed the new year. And it was like early February already because he was talking about Bentoncourt being back. This man returned from injury six weeks ahead of schedule and started today. That was wild. And he was really fucking good for the 58 minutes that he was on the pitch. Um, and that's kind of just where I wanted to start because that was like the catalyst to this game and this day for me as I, you know, wind down 2023. Rodrigo Bentoncourt came back. How cool was that, Caroline? Well, it was the best belated Christmas gift the club could give us, honestly. I mean, he makes such a huge impact. And, you know, we saw it basically immediately with this game because he was involved in the build up for the goal. Um, the only disappointment is that he couldn't play longer, but that's understandable. You know, can't, can't be risking him uh, fitness wise at this point, but I think that's going to make such a big difference to the stretch of games where we're going to be without Papsar, you know, it, it looks like he may not be going to AFCON after all. We don't know. Um, yeah, we'll get to that but, for sure. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, I think but we just look so much calmer in possession when Benton Kerr is out there, but also his pressing, you know, is really important as well. So I, I just was so happy to see him not only in the squad, but starting, that was just huge. Yeah. The, the pressing for that first goal, you know, he just, he steps up, he makes a challenge in the press, in the opposition half, gets the ball to La Celso who shuffles it to, to Sar and, before we talk about the the, the injury to Sar, we got to talk about the goal. Like, I was so impressed by this goal because what we've seen from Sar. Now, this was Sar's, I think, only second goal for the club. Um, we've seen him have the ability to like have a crack from distance, and a lot of times those end up halfway into the stands, which is fine. Every once in a while, I, I don't mind a player trying that, but with him, I've seen it get a little. Um, I don't know, erratic at times. And I think this was a reputation he came with. Like this, this kid will have a crack from way outside the box just to see if he can. Um, ambition. We love that. To dare is to do all of it. But for this goal, he did such a good job of baiting the defender and I think even the keeper into thinking that he was going to push it out wide to, I think it was Brennan Johnson. And instead, he just baited everyone into thinking he was going to push it out wide and passed it into the left side of the net. And when I say pass it, he hit it well, but it was so well placed. It wasn't erratic. It wasn't an irrational shot. It was just, I was so impressed by that little bit of growth in his game that you saw. He had the space, he took his time with it and he made sure that that, that ball was ending up in the net. It was really, really impressive from Sar. Agreed. I mean, he definitely wrong footed the keeper. And I think in the past few games in general, I've just been a little frustrated with the tendency not to shoot in that area from all the players and even some other players in this game. Like, I think there were some times when Udagi could have taken a crack, did not. Um, I mean, Royale did because that's that's definitely part of his game is, you know, the speculative shot. But Sar, he just had so much finesse and and calmness. Again, I think that's the word that, I felt throughout the first portion of the game when we were really kind of dominating. Um, so, it, it, I mean, it was great to see him get just his second goal, like you said, and he's, he's a very important player. And I think that's kind of been a big surprise of this season is how important he's been just because of his age. And, you know, we, we really hadn't seen much of him before. So I, again, we, you know, we alluded to the fact that he picked up an injury and, it's it's just crushing to see because not only could he be missing, you know, the AFCON tournament that we all know he was very excited to be playing a starring role in for Senegal, but who knows when he'll be back, you know, period now. And I, it, he's not a player that we can really afford to miss. Yeah, we're going to have to await news on that. And it makes it makes Benton Core's early return 
like it makes it that much more important with with Sar. I mean, we knew Sar was going to be gone for these next couple of games in the month of January, going off to Afcon. Now, if he's not doing that, that's tough for him. But hopefully, it could be. I, I don't know. Todd mentioned in our group chat, perhaps maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise. And I get his mindset of that. Like maybe maybe it's not as bad, but he still misses Afcon and can come back like late January, perhaps. Um, but it didn't it didn't look pretty. He said he felt a hamstring. We'll we'll see. We'll wait on that. Uh, maybe by the time you're listening to this, there there is news out. But we're, we're just going to hope for the best as we record this. Only you know what about 90 minutes after full time, um, we're just we're we're kind of still waiting that. Um, one thing I wanted to get into about kind of connecting the Brighton game and the Bournemouth game that I didn't mention, and it relates to Sar and the goal because we scored first again. We didn't do that against Brighton. And it was only the fourth game in the league this year that we have not scored first in, which is kind of remarkable. It's not something I had really thought about. But when the run ended the other day against Brighton, I wanted to look it up. It had been 12 straight games before the Brighton game that Spurs had scored first. um, And they started a new streak today with scoring first against Bournemouth. But the other three of those games came consecutively. It was the run of at Burnley, home to Sheffield United, and at Arsenal. And we won two and drew against Arsenal in in that sense. So, you know, that was kind of a crazier time in this little bit earlier in the season um, with some, you know, really dramatic, you know, the Sheffield result was really dramatic. uh, Obviously, I remember that one. Um, But I just thought that was it it was like a notable thing to talk about. Okay, this team normally gets out scores first and has to hold on today. They kind of had to do almost a similar thing. Um, The the. The other part of this game that I'm, I know we're bouncing around here a lot with Bournemouth, but the other part of this game I wanted to talk about was we, we mentioned Kulisevsky picking up the yellow, which meant he was suspended today. So obviously there was going to be a change there as well. It was Bentoncourt coming in for Hoybier, but Giovanni Lo Celso came in for Kulisevsky and I thought played really, really well, despite like he had a, a really poor sub appearance, I thought, on Thursday when he came on and, you know, committed the penalty. And just I thought there was a weird incident on Thursday in the game where he was uh, somebody was going off for for Brighton and he was like in their face and up in there. I don't even remember who it was now offhand, but there was just some weird stuff going on with the Celso. Um, and then he came on today and played pretty damn well, had two assists, uh, did pick up another booking, but like got subbed off late. But I thought he was really quite incredible in terms of pulling the strings from that traditional kind of central attacking midfielder role that Kulisevsky has been playing so well in place of Madison for the last few weeks. He came in and played it really well for Kulisevsky, I thought. Yeah, I mean, we got the Faselso experience this week, (laughs) you know, including the Brighton game, seeing kind of some of the negative sides of his game, which would be just defense, period, Uh, not his strong suit. But, I mean, it's obvious the quality that he has in the attack. And I just wish we could see more consistency from him. And that's what I feel like we said ever since he joined the club. We just need to get a good run from him and not have so much of the up and down performances. Um, The discipline thing kind of worries me a bit because, you know, you alluded to him having that that moment in the Brighton game. And then I think it was him in this game who was on the sideline with Ange uh kind of getting into it with with i cannot say their manager's name areola um yeah the bournemouth manager uh so i don't know i just kind of like you want to see the passion but again we've been having this conversation all season long we've had so many suspensions we just need to clean this stuff up out of our our game i feel like um because it just causes unnecessary stress to me especially (laughs) Yeah, it's funny. It was only Lo Celso's, I think, first yellow of the season, which surprised me when I looked back. I got to double check that, but I think that's correct. Um, but yeah, there have been some weird just moments with him. Um, I mean, the, the 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 penalty, like we we already talked about the penalty that he gave up the other day, but that was just like it, it felt like he hit the wrong button when you're playing FIFA. Like he just like slid into a guy in the box from behind. And I was like, what, what the f- what the fuck is he doing? It was so strange to me. Um, and then, like you mentioned, today was like he was everywhere, kind of just pulling strings. And I thought it looked really good. And he and I thought he made he also not only did he look good, he made Son, Richarlison and Brennan Johnson all look very good too. running around up there. There were there were many chances for for all of these guys. And then obviously a goal came from from behind him in SAR. So there was just um, 
there was a lot going on for Lacelso in the middle of the pitch today where he he really kind of kind of ran shit and I thought it looked good. Now, a lot of this we're, we're like a lot of people are going to be like what are you what are you guys talking about? Spurs looked horrible from about 20 minutes off like through maybe 60 minutes. And yeah, they they didn't look great. I also think we need to step back and recognize that Bournemouth this was Bournemouth's first defeat in like seven or eight games. Like they've been on some form. Like this was I know it's Bournemouth and people think what the hell? Like we beat them really head. This was the first return fixture, by the way. We we've crossed the the halfway point. I I had it took me until after the Brighton game to realize that. But um, Bournemouth, you know, people will say, oh, they're not, they're they're not much. Like yeah, they're they're twelfth in the table right now, but they're still they're an informed side. They're a decent side, and honestly, I kind of want to just credit them for taking more control of the game. Like I think from about the fifteen minute mark to halftime, Spurs had like very little of the ball, maybe like 35, 40%. Like Bournemouth were really running shit during, during that part of the game. I also think that in the grand scheme of things, that's what's going to make this win and these three points look so good is because it really had to be earned at home on New Year's Eve against a team like this. I don't know. That showed some resilience for me, and I kind of appreciated that from the team today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we have to remember we're still playing with four fullbacks as our back line. So that's not ideal. And I think you kind of saw that result in a lot of unnecessary corner kicks conceded. Um, Because set pieces were something I was really worried about with facing Bournemouth. I know Solanke especially good in the air. That sort of knock that he picked up during the game didn't help him to be as effective as he usually is for Bournemouth. But yeah, I think you're right. Like we showed a lot of resilience. We really were under the cosh there for you know, the majority of the end of the second, the first half that is, um, but also resilience from the attack as well, because Sun and Richie were both having kind of a rough time to start with. And I mean, the, it feels like the timing of the runs has been a little off the last couple of games, especially with Richarlison having so many offsides. Um, but I was glad that both of them were able to get on the score sheet and kind of, you know, show that if you're having a bad performance, that doesn't have to mean that it's it's a bad game entirely. You know, you can still get something out of it, both individually and as a team. So yeah, that was that was a positive sign for me that even though we're going through so many obstacles right now, we can still have those moments of brilliance, you know, from these players who who are, you know, really world class at their positions. And just to further the point about kind of the momentum of the game, I'm looking at the momentum chart here and from about the 25 minute mark is when Bournemouth started to kind of take over. Um, and it, a lot of people are going to point to, Oh, well that's when, when SAR got hurt. Well, no, actually it happened a few minutes after that it had started even before SAR got hurt and skip came on for him. Um, I do think that I'm not going to really put this on skip like it, cause it was, it was starting to go bad before he came on, but I don't think skip helped either. Uh, skip looked kind of overmatched in the midfield and i do think that it took us a little bit longer to get back into the game perhaps not helped by skip coming on but the other sub that was made at about 58 minutes uh was pierre mil hoybier uh hoybier came on for he came on for bentoncourt which i think was probably a planned sub you would think if bentoncourt is coming back from this injury you thought maybe he could give you 50 to 60 minutes and then get him off protect him as he's coming back Hoybier came on in the 58th minute and honestly Bournemouth's kind of rain on the game stopped about five minutes later. So I like, I know Hoybier is probably not long for this system, but I just want to point out that between Thursday and today, I thought Pierre Mill Hoybier has put in two really, really good professional shifts for this club. And that's notable to me because there are so many rumors right now about him jetting off to Juventus once the window opens in January. And if that's the case, I, you know, man, I bid you a fond to do and much appreciation for your service because I just, I don't know. Hoybear is not a player. I think we, we believe is long for this system, but at the same time, I kind of feel as if he's just been a great steward for the club. And I am really, really appreciative, especially for what he's given to this team lately with all of the injuries and suspensions and him, maybe not being a first choice guy. He's, he's been really professional and really stepped up. And I'm just, I, I want to offer my appreciation for that. Yeah, I think he and Skip are kind of in similar positions where they're just not the best fit for the, the game that we're playing at this point under Ange. But they've both been very professional. 
and been there for the team when called upon. They've had some good performances. They've had some bad ones. I feel like Skippy today really was not on it. But it's it's a situation where I think we're we got to be a little more ambitious in terms of our squad building. Because um, you know me, I'm a little sentimental. So the thought of Skippy leaving, you know, it makes me sad. But I think I'm at the point where I'm realizing it's it's needed. Um, and and the same with Hoybier, frankly. Um, but you're right. I think today he he did bring a little bit of stability to the midfield that was needed after Saar and Bentoncourt both went off. Um, so yeah, gr- grateful for both of them for what they've they've given to the club. Although I'm, I guess I'm kind of prematurely shoving them out the door when we don't know if that's actually happening. Yeah, and quite honestly, I, like I would be more apt at this point to keep Hoybier just because I think there's a, a, a higher level for him to get to if if I was given the choice between keeping one or the other. But Skip is probably the way more likely to stay because he's English and he's homegrown. Um and you need you need that kind of player in your team. Um but regardless if they could get like I, I said this at the beginning of the season, if they can get a fee for Hoybier, thanks buddy. But he, the way that he's had to step up through this first part, half of the season with all of the injuries and suspensions, I just, I never would have expected him to um, be as good as he has been. And, and while that's not like, I'm not saying he's been great, he's put in some really good games and been really professional about it and busted his ass too. Like that's the, that's the other thing too. You like to see that kind of effort. And I saw like when I watched the game Thursday against Brighton, I really thought there were two players that I thought were busting their ass and it was him and it was Ben Davis. And it was like, those are two guys that were really hustling and working hard throughout the game. Whereas the others, you know, and look, fatigue goes into that guys are nursing injuries. I'm not blaming anyone, but like, it looked like those two were, really really fighting for the badge on thursday and obviously again today uh sunday so i just you know you you like to shout those kinds of things out when they happen um you mentioned the fullback all four four fullbacks playing in the back line still like yeah that is still a thing and i thought the 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 two on the outside poro and adogi were incredible i mean honestly we haven't talked enough about destiny adogi and the impact that he makes when he is able to to be a consistent part of the team but my goodness is it a difference like when when they're having to play emerson out there or you know someone i don't even know who else has played out there to this point can't think of a time maybe ben had played an earlier match at fullback when mickey was still healthy but i regardless udogi is so good and so is pedro poro like we, we've shouted out pedro poro over the last few weeks about this guy could easily be the player of the season for this team right now and they're just They've reached a level right now of consistency too at at such a high level, which is pretty remarkable. Um, and you know, long may it continue. Um, in terms of the center backs, we know that Van de Ven is perhaps close to returning, which is great. We've I've we've all kind of really praised and appreciated the job that Ben Davis has done filling in. But on that right side, boy, is it a struggle still watching Emerson Royale and with the Romero news of he's going to be out for the month of of January, which I don't even think we've really talked about because we just learned that this week. Romero going to be out. It sounds like through the entire month, which is just another, like so, so much happened this week in Spurs. You you, you mentioned at the top, it's such an emotionally fraught week with levels of excitement and disappointment and all of that. And the Romero news, we're now more than 30 minutes into the pod. And it's like, we're just now bringing this up. So we get Emerson Royale again at right center back for a while. And I don't know where you want to take this Caroline, but I can't watch much more of that personally. It is so frustrating and I love Emerson Royale's effort. And I love, he's never not trying. He just, he ain't the dude for this. He's not that he's not that guy. He's not. And yet when Dyer came in, it made no difference (laughs) whatsoever. I, mean, I didn't even, I, wanna, I just, I didn't even I, want to bring that up. Oh, uh, gosh, I just so checked my stat sheet and we've not had a single clean sheet when Eric Dyer is on the pitch. So I'm, I'm just going to leave it at that. We know the reality True. is that we need a center back or two possibly in this transfer window and soon, like we cannot delay on this position. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely urgent, especially with Romero being out now. Um, yeah, we just, we got to hope that Mickey is, is close to returning and maybe we get a surprise, you know, match day squad inclusion like we did with Bentinker. who knows? 
Um, I don't I don't mind Ange being a little coy about, you know, our selection availability, because that was certainly a welcome surprise with Benton Kerr today. Um, but yeah, the, the defense is just. Uh, I don't know. It's it, we're in a situation where we just we have to outscore our opponents until we've got our our top center backs back in the squad. And that's just what it is. Well, and with all of the other injuries throughout the team, that becomes obviously a lot, lot tougher. You know, we're losing Star either to injury or AFCON, depending on his status. You know, we're losing uh, Sun to the Asian Cup as well. Uh, that's going to be devastating. By the way, <clears throat> we haven't even really talked about, I mean, we talked a little bit about the forwards, Richarlison, another goal, like Sonny, another goal. Um, Sonny now, I wrote this down. Sonny has 17 goal contributions on the season. He had 16 all of last year. Uh, he's having just a super incredible season. And even the last handful of games, I've thought, oh, Sonny's form is dipping a little bit, probably because he's nursing like three different injuries behind the scenes and is really fatigued and is busting his ass and is on the wrong side of 30 and is about to go off and represent his country in his continental tournament. But like that dude is still dropping the hammer and he's been he, like there were moments today where i was like oh god sonny looks so off it and then he turns around and has that finish for the goal and i'm just like oh there he is he just pops up even when he's not playing well so shout out to sonny i you, go ahead get in on sonny you you want you want to say something i can tell i i just have to say there's a portion of our fan base who continues to underappreciate him it's it kind of feels like no matter what he does there are some Spurs fans who just are never going to think that he's committed to the team for some bizarre reason. And I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous to me because not only has he shown up this season on the score sheet time and time again, I, I think to doubt his leadership is also really insulting and to imply that he's more focused on, you know, this upcoming tournament with South Korea than with Tottenham these last few games is, is just ridiculous because you could see in his post-game interview after Brighton that he was, you know, absolutely crushed about that result. So I just, it, you know, I'm forever going to be a huge Sun fan and I, I really appreciate what he brings to the team. And I think we, we can contribute or what's the word I'm looking for here. A lot of our success that we've had this season under Ange, which wasn't a given, you know, we should say that this is a new manager, new system. I, I don't think the transition goes as smoothly if we don't have Sun as the captain and, you know, basically leading that forward line. So, yeah, I just, I wanted to give Sonny his props because like I said, he, he didn't have the best start to the game, but he's a player that he can always produce and you, that's why you keep him on the pitch, you know? What you're saying about the underappreciation of his game is is so it's so poignant to me and and while I was just pulling up the the list of Spurs all-time scorers just to double check myself on what I'm about to say and I feel confident in saying this Sonny is already in the top 6 of all-time scorers in Spurs history. Obviously the leader is the the guy that just left the club in the summer and you know played with Sonny for for most of their the, the 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 majority of both of their careers. Sonny could end up climbing the list. I, I definitely think he'll 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 certainly be in the top five when it's all said and done. I definitely think he's gonna be in the top four. He's got an outside ch chance to be in the top three even. Now I'm not trying to like project his longevity. He like I said he's already on the opposite side of 30 and he, he, we know he's dealt with injury and everything and is I don't know how much longer Sonny has, and I'm not trying to make him retire prematurely or anything, but it's going to be wild to think about the fact that Spurs, for the majority of both of their careers, had two of their top three goal scorers, potentially, all time, on the team at the same time, and they didn't fucking win anything during that time, <laughs> which is really, really wild, and I'm not trying to bring it down or anything, but like, just the appreciation of those two players that were on the same for so long like and like you said the underappreciation of just him as a a club icon like he's going to be that it already is that and is going to be that we he obviously got overshadowed for most of his career here at spurs by having kane on the team as well and i don't think there's anything wrong with that but i think that's where the underappreciation comes from at times it's also the fact that he's not 
English like Kane was. Like, I think that's a big factor. Um, you know, he's a he's the best player in Asia, which for the Premier League is great. And it's it's also like he's also not only been great on the field, he's been great off of it. Um, and he's been such an ambassador for the club in the Asian market as well as throughout the world. Um, yeah, just appreciation for Sun. That's you know, as we as we bring in 2024, like long may it continue. Like I I I, I want Sonny to be that dude, and he has been. Well, and like you said, we don't know how much longer he's going to play. So we need to appreciate him while he's here and not take him for granted. You know, so I just wanted to give him his flowers. That's all. I'm 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 really glad you did. And and look, we didn't intend to go on a little uh, young men's son love fest here, but I'm I'm glad that we did because it made me happy. to. Close no, that, that's that's always intentional, Andrew. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, I don't even know where to go from here talking about this game. Uh, we, we talked we started talking about Emerson and, and that led to for some reason Dyer. I'm, I'm a little mad at you for bringing that up. But I do think um, in just in terms of the transfer rumors as we kind of start to shift our conversation a little bit to that, because, Hey, guess what? As you're listening to this, it's probably transfer window time. And the the window does open up a mere hours from, uh, from this recording. Um, Center back is obviously the, for me, the priority um, bar none. And I know there are some rumors out there about different names. I don't, I don't know that you or I need to get into like the specific names. Everybody can go read who the names are for me, where I'm at. I'm just I'm ready for a name to come in within the next week. We've got the uh, the FA Cup match on Friday against Burnley. No one is going to be in in time for that, and I'm kind of fully accepting the fact that we're going to see you know this same pretty much this same back line if I'm not mistaken, um, which that's fine. I, I want us to go for it. I want us to. There's not another game until the 14th, so it's not like you know you play another game at the weekend and you need to like this the the schedule is open you can go for this game full force and they will we know that i don't think they're getting a center back in before then but maybe in about a week if they can get one in a week ahead of the next game on the 14th against united maybe that's enough time to get someone in and maybe even see them in that united game that would be for me entering january priority number one They've got to get a center back in almost immediately. The other stuff, there's a, and there's trust me, there's a lot of other stuff that they could add to this team and 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 help out with in this push. But that can that can wait for me until they get another center back in because that's desperately needed. Are you in the same boat with with the transfer plans? Yeah, it has to be center back first priority, first signing of the window. I just we can't waste any time on this signing. Period. Um, Otherwise, I feel like, you know, the, the loan situation maybe was complicated a little with Valise getting injured today because I felt like he was probably a good candidate to go out and get some, you know, quality game time at another club. He was definitely ready for it. So this is, you know, we don't know what his injury is yet, but it, it looked like it could have been an MCL possibly. Thank you for, thank you for bringing so, Belize up. Cause that we, we did not mention, yeah. we didn't get into him when we were talking about the game and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. What, like, what else can you say about that? We, and we did, we, we talked a little about his first goal on Thursday, but like for him to come on late today, they're trying to see out the game and he gets, he gets hurt too. It's just another one of these, like it, it's blowing your mind how often this is happening. And we, 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 we focus a lot on Spurs because we do a Spurs podcast and we really hamper the fact that, oh my God, Spurs are in an injury crisis. This is, as you've pointed out and others have, this is league wide, like, and it's kind of worldwide, like football players are playing too much football. And I know some of these are contact injuries too, and it's a contact sport and that happens. But just when we talk about injury crises as a whole, this is happening everywhere and it sucks because players are playing too damn often. But that's another sidebar and rant that I don't even I don't, I don't know if you want to say any more about it and feel free. But well, you know, I agree with you. Some of them pure bad luck contact injuries. These happen. But if you look at a player like Papsar, he's very young, only 21, but he's already played a lot of football, not just for club, but for country as well. So I think that, you know, it just needs to be acknowledged that the calendar is way too congested and it's not just you know, Tottenham that's dealing with this by any means. And if anything, we, we got a bit of a break this year, theoretically, with not being in European competition. But I, I just don't think it matters. You know, it's it's still too many games. And, um, and some of these players just have such a load built up from the past few seasons uh, 
that, it, you know, it wasn't going to make that much of an impact having, you know, a few less games a month, but um, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's sad for Valise. Uh, you could tell how devastated he was. The good thing is that we do have Dane Scarlett coming back uh, from his loan early. I guess he wasn't getting yeah. a lot of game time at Ipswich because they are doing really well and, you know, taking yeah, their it's, promotion it's, team really seriously. So, and you know, I know there's going to be a lot of fans out there too who bitch about this club's loan policy. Sometimes loans like this just happen where it's a little bit of an unlucky one. Ipswich are, are performing really well. And if they weren't performing as well, they would probably be more willing to, you know, put a player that they have on loan that they know is not a long term option for them out there a little bit more. But sometimes this that stuff happens and you get a little bit of unlucky with with just another team's performance right and on the flip side i think alfie divine has been doing really well on his loan at port vale the fans love him there yes. <laughs> to the fact that they're yeah. asking you know if they could keep him so you know it, it loans can be successful it's, it's kind of hit or miss and you can't really predict how it's going to go but i i think it's a little worrying that our striker depth as sun is out is only going to be Richie and Dane. Um, and I know there've been rumors that the club is looking at signing a striker. And I think if, if there is a good opportunistic move for one, then go for it. You know um, I think perhaps we have a little bit more need in midfield just with the injuries that we have and certain players we've talked about like skip and um, Hoybier being kind of possible outgoings. Um, I feel like we're probably more likely to see movement there, but it's going to be really interesting to see how the club does approach any kind of outgoings any loans even um just because of the injury crisis slash suspension crisis of the immediate future we do think that eventually we're going to see the likes of van de ven and madison return here within the next few weeks to month um and Obviously, there's there's you're gonna get Basuma back come February. So these are not like from from the suspension. These are not long term issues for the club. And you you it's gonna be interesting to see how they balance the short term kind of still ongoing injury crisis through what is a lighter January schedule uh, into February versus the long term where you, you don't want to just rush out and grab a center back over the next week because you desperately need a center back you do desperately need a center back but you also want that guy to be able to be the third option behind a romero and van de ven for the long term and be okay with that it's a really like it's a really sticky wicket because you have to stand on that balance beam of finding a guy that is quality enough to come in for players like van de ven and romero but also be okay with being the guy that is only just coming in for van de ven and romero he has to be okay being more of a third out of two choices and the same goes for any kind of striker or midfielder because there's a lot of competition in this club there's a lot of talent in this club and that's something that they've got to be really conscious of you know as they continue into a second window building this project under Ange. i think we've all really liked what we've seen from some of the products of the first window. Obviously, the goalkeeper change has been great. And obviously, we've got a little bit more to talk about there with a goalkeeper change, uh, which we will come on to Hugo Lloris. But, you know, you look at Idogi coming back into this team and poor and the Poro signing kind of really working out despite it not be him not being an Ange guy. You look at the midfield with Benton Core and Madison when he comes back, Papsar, like there are some really talented players that we think are not only good players and long-term players, but they're Ange players. Like not all of Ange signings have kind of turned, still turned into Ange players, which is nice to see. Um, so they've got to be really conscious of that when they go out in this window and think about the, the short-term versus the long-term in my eyes. Right. I think it's important that we, we can have an incoming loan if it's, a case where we can't get the long-term target that we want, that is the perfect fit. If they aren't available, bring in someone who can do a job for the next six months. I'm okay with that. Um, Cause I agree. It's, it's better to, you know, focus our energies on, on getting the right players for the long-term so that we can actually build properly. Um, Cause I think you've seen with the players that Ange has brought in, on permanent deals like we've had complete buy-in and commitment from them and that's what you want to see 
So it's, but it is a case where we do need bodies <laughs> in a yeah. literal sense. So just, well, just get it done. And, and I'm, I'm really, I'm obviously very, very big on long-term, like since Ange has come into this team, I've been on board. Um, he's impressed us all over these first, you know, 18, 19 games of a league season. Um, we've been really impressed by the football. We've really been really impressed by the man, the project, all of it, especially when you look back at the last handful of seasons and, and seeing the kinds of, of guys that were in charge. I think we all know how I feel about our previous couple of managers and just their, their attitude and the way that they didn't really embody the club in the way that, that I think fans appreciate, uh, in, in, in a way that Ange has done in a way that Pochettino did for so many years. Like it, this is, this is what we want to see out of this club. But at the same time, as I love the long-term prospects and am thinking about that, uh, Tottenham Hotspur are three points off the top of the table at the new year. Um, I know they sit fifth, and I know Liverpool have a game in hand still. Uh, they play on New Year's Day before we're recording this. Um, so they could they could could go three points further ahead. But this team is in a modest title race, I think. Just because this league is very, very weird right now, and there's a lot of, I don't know, it's Man City or not Man City, and Liverpool are pretty damn good, but you know, th there's some holes there too. I think, I think Aston Villa are a really, really dangerous team, and certainly, weirdly, Unai Emery has them in this thing. Um, and then obviously Arsenal are, are, are potent, but hell, they were top of the table a week ago and lost today and are now uh, only a point ahead of us and sitting fourth. So congrats to the team that never bottles anything. That's just us, of course. Uh, but yeah, you, you you were definitely top of the table Christmas and now sit fourth. So eat that in a week. Um, Caroline, Tottenham are kind of weirdly at the new year and in a title race. So I think the short term is kind of important too, because this is the kind of season with no European football mm -hmm. where you're only really focusing on the league and the FA cup from here on out. And yeah, I, I would love to win an FA cup. That would be great. I would be totally on board, but at the same time, if you don't, if you have a really good January here and solidify this thing for a short term run, Tottenham Hotspur could very well pop up and, and surprisingly win the Premier League this season. I, I firmly do believe that. I, I do too, honestly. I mean, the question of could we is still very much open-ended. And I think that is the one thing that makes the extreme bad luck with injuries so hard to take is just knowing that this was a season of real opportunity just because of how the teams around us are doing. You know, nobody's really been at their best for the entire, you know, first half of the season so far. So, but I, I do think it's possible. Honestly, as we start to get players back like Van de Ven, like Madison, I think we're going to see us get back to our best and we're going to be causing real problems for, for our opposition. And I think other teams should be feeling a little worried about us getting back to full strength. And, you know, everyone is going to be a little bit hampered by by AFCON and the Asian cup, you know, it's not just us who are going to have players missing. So I think we have to, you know, take all that with a grain of salt and realize that it's going to balance out a little bit across the league. So I just, it, the thing that I love about this season is that I finally feel excited to watch every game. And like, even, even after a loss against Brighton, I'm like, okay, let's go again. Like I'm ready for the next game. I want to see what happens. I want to see what these guys can do. So I, I'm grateful to Ange that he's really changed the mood around the club, the mentality around the club. And uh, I, I don't think we could ask for anything more from the six months, you know, considering the, the injuries that we've had. Like, it's been a really, really strong campaign so far. I don't, I don't know if it's like the new year and just positive vibes. Like, I've had a really, personally, just had a really positive 2023. I got to do... Um, a lot of really cool travel and made my way for the first time earlier this year uh, in March, along with Dakota and Todd to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to watch Spurs in London live for the first time. Um, just a lot of other really cool moments for me. So maybe I'm just a little bit high on on bidding 2023 adieu uh, because it was such a positive year for me personally. But I, I have not really believed that 
could we question until in about the last week? Um, and I, there's just something about this, this, the way that this season is playing out across the Premier League, which is weird to me. It, it, it has, I'm not saying it has Leicester vibes, but it kind of has Leicester vibes where there are so many good clubs, but there's not, I mean, look, City could turn around and just morph into city again and run away with this thing that could happen. Like I fully believe if that happened, I would say, Oh yeah, of course city figured out that they were city and turned on the jets in the final half of the season and just took off. Cause look, they're two points off the top of the table too. Like, it's not like anyone is far behind from anyone. It's clustered. I just think that's the exciting part is that it's clustered and you, there are four or five, I don't think six. I think once you get down to the West Ham, Man United, I think those teams are separated a little bit. You know, the, we're six clear of West Ham for sixth, and I'm not saying six points is a massive gap. You know, that's two wins, but it does feel like there is a gap anyway. It feels like those five teams, and we are fifth among them as I look at the table right now, all kind of have a reason to say, "Hey, why not? Could we?" Um, and I think that's exciting. And I'm just I've have the, this vibe all of a sudden for this last week that all right, this, this league has shown me through halfway that it's weird enough that weird shit could happen. And the positivity that we feel from Ange and from this project and from, like you said, knowing that it's so frustrating that it looked so good before the Chelsea match and before the injury suspension bomb kind of blew up inside, uh, you know, inside the dressing room, like every, everybody just all of a sudden was like either on the training table or on the shelf because they'd been booked in this in one night um and if that hadn't happened you know if that was a boring one one draw like or 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 even if you lose that game two one and it's the first loss but you don't lose all those players and all the nonsense that happened like think about how different this season is i think the the confidence comes from knowing that that one weird freak game really derailed things that were going so well and i'm not saying they would have just kept going so well and spurs would have run away with the league but Man, it, it, there's a lot of positivity to think about and believe on as we enter January. And I think the fact that we're still within touching distance despite all of that is the thing that sh we should get encouragement from. You know, it, it can only go up from here. We're, we're not going to be missing half of our squad the entire season, I, I hope. <laughs> so oh, gosh, yeah, I feel like, I yeah, even, even if it just ended up with, you know, top four and an FA Cup, I would be ecstatic. Oh. You know and, what? And I'm just happy we get to dream about the title, you know? What a what a thing you just said too. Cuz I'm sitting here talking about the league and yes, it, I am focused on that cuz it's weird, but yeah. Go win an FA Cup and that is obviously next for this club is the, the the start of that journey. So important game on Friday. Um you know, go beat Burnley. By the way, Burnley are super picking up form right now. Like in the last last handful of their matches have gone pretty positively for them so kudos to them for picking up form right before they uh they stroll in and and, and place but that the match is home i believe right I, I think i have that correct yeah home home against right. burnley on friday so that is that is next uh for for this club and and still we are still a couple of weeks away from the women returning i know so um we'll keep an eye on that as well uh they play i think it's what next weekend right not this weekend or not next weekend, the following weekend. I'm already, I'm already in 2024 mentally as we talk, but. It's the 14th. Yeah. And we, it, it's right. an FA cup game for them as well. So it's the same day that Spurs men return to the league against man United uh, after the FA cup match for them this Friday, that the women will be back in action. So uh, plenty to look forward to for the month. Um, look, Caroline, before we get out of here, we have not yet talked about, Hugo Lloris, Hugo Lloris, uh, longtime captain, 11 years, I think it was, um, for, for Hugo as captain, uh, he's departing and he's he, weirdly enough coming our way. He's, he's coming to MLS to play for LAFC. Um, cool. Good for him. Really happy for him. Uh, this has been an awkward divorce. I think there's no other way to put it. Um, it's, I don't think it's going to be acrimonious. I don't think it is acrimonious. I think Hugo's professional um, and was a longtime great steward of the club. A little bit of a 
criticism i know there are from from some folks on his his captaincy and just how he was more of a a quiet leader didn't seem to be as vocal at times as he maybe could have or should have been but i got nothing but but love and respect for hugo he's a you know a world cup champion and um i thought served the club super admirably over his time there was obviously you know the drunk driving thing uh which is not a a great mark on his legacy uh, overall but I, I think people make mistakes and they hopefully figure figure themselves out um and i i don't know what do you want to say about hugo as he he departs the club after more than a decade as as the club captain yeah i mean i i wish it had he had ended kind of on a high note somehow and not that awful Newcastle game. Um, it's really unfortunate that that was his last ever game for the club. Um, but also just in general, I feel like we, we could kind of see the decline coming and I wish, you know, this is not so much a reflection on him, but on the club for not planning his successor better. I mean, obviously we were really happy with Vicario that we ended up with him, but it was a little delayed. I feel like um, they really should have had, had someone in sooner than that. Um, cause you know, it's, it's a little unfortunate that we kind of are going to remember the end of his Spurs career being a little bit of a, a letdown when obviously he was so important to the club for so many years. Um, yeah, I don't know on the personal level. I wish I didn't have such a long memory sometimes because <laughs> I don't know, some of his comments around the world cup are still sticking in my mind, but I think on the pitch, you can't fault his commitment to the club and, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm upset with MLS at the moment, so I can't necessarily wish him well in MLS. But <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I know, I know you and I fully agree on that. We are, uh, we're both USL people, and uh, when it comes to stateside soccer and USL uh, forever. Yeah, that's um, that's <laughs> that's for another podcast. But yes, I, I'm. I was joking in our group chat today that uh, when they showed briefly showed Hugo on the television, he was of course honored at, at halftime, I believe it was, or maybe it was before the match um, and kind of, you know, got his chance to say goodbye to the club uh, after such a long tenure with them. And um, it, I was joking that when they showed him on the broadcast today, he was looking at his phone and I was joking that he was looking for, you know, on Zillow looking for a place in LA. And then later in the match when Eric Dyer came on, I joked in our group chat that hopefully Larice was looking for a place with a casita. So, so Dyer could come out and stay with him and maybe play, play with him or, or who knows, play for LA galaxy or there's a club in orange County that's in the USL. Any, any of that would be great for Dyer at this point, I think. Um, because man, I don't think we hammered that enough when you brought his name up. I kind of shut that discussion down, but I've sidetracked us now. We're talking about Hugo Lloris. I don't want to talk about Eric Dyer. Uh, Hugo Lloris, I don't think you said it. I mean, definitely some controversial moments in his tenure, but at the same time was just a a really good steward for the club overall, I think. And I think when you get someone who's this long tenured of a captain, you always just kind of have to tip the cap. He was doing something right in that building for for many years. Um helping this team to to be what it's become kind of through this through this era yeah and i'm glad that the club did make sure to give him an actual send-off because i think there were a lot of fans who were kind of disappointed that didn't happen with kane of course some of that is down to kane himself <laughs> with the timing and the the manner of his departure but no question. i think a lot of fans have just a lot of love for hugo and he needed to have that kind of you know formal goodbye to the fans so good job from the club oh good job from the club we don't we don't always get that and i like i like being able to say it uh good job by the club to close 2023 with three points um that was important today after what was brighton on thursday which um you know could it could it could have gotten a little uglier but this team you know i think it's what four out of five games that they have gotten the result in yeah four out of five still despite everything they kind of have been through. Um, and we look forward to talking about an FA Cup run that is well into the fourth round next weekend. We will come to you after the Burnley match, uh, which is Friday. Just remember that. Not a weekend game. Another one of those damn games during the during the day here in the States that I've got to try and rush home from work to, to catch. But uh, we will do it anyway. Uh, Caroline, 
thank you so much. Happy New Year. Uh, enjoy the the celebrating. And um, that's going to do it for us here at the Depot. Follow us on socials at Tottenham Depot and uh, follow us into 2024. We can't wait to uh, be making more podcast content for you all as we enter the new year. Until then, next week in 2024, this has been the Tottenham Depot. As always, come on, you Spurs. You know, when you're kept in a club, a big club like this for, for so long, and, um, you know, I think I said before, I don't think, you know, my opinion of him is is paramount here because of my service is, you know, fairly minuscule compared to his, but in the time I've worked with him, he's he's been absolutely professional, an absolute gentleman, and I can see why he was highly regarded. <coughs> it was great to have in the group, um, great for, for Vic to share a dressing room with a World Cup winner, or... And, um, you know, it's a credit to him with the way he's conducted. And, you know, I caught up with him a couple of days ago and wished him all the best. I know he'll love the adventure of the MLS. Um, you know, doing something different in your career just, you know, I think is adds something to it. And, you know, he goes off with our best wishes, but with an undeniable impact on this football club.